Revelation chapter 7, we'll read verses 2 and 3. Revelation 7, 2 and 3. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. When this old world hits you hard and you find yourself laying flat on your back, look up to heaven and to God and the Lamb. Maybe some of you feel that this year has been particularly hard. Maybe you've been knocked flat on your back. Look up to heaven, to God and the Lamb. It's been said that a stream would lose much of its music were the rocks to be removed. A stream would lose much of its music if you took all the rocks out. And I really believe that we go through rocky times in our lives because it makes our praise to God more fervent and more precious and sweet. Because this world is not our home. We look for the fountains of living water and glory. Even though you may feel like you've been knocked flat on your back, The faithful servant of God's midnight is brighter than the noon of the wicked. The faithful Christian's midnight, when it might seem that life is at its darkest, is far brighter than the wicked's noonday sun. They may have their moment and it will come and go, but when we think about our lives and our midnight, how they pale in comparison, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, to the eternal glory that awaits. When you look at Revelation chapter 6 and 7, you think that the two chapters have little in common. In chapter 6, it's God's judgment and seals are being poured out, opened and poured out upon the earth. God's judgment is coming. And the last verse of Revelation 6 says, For the great day of His wrath has come, and who is able to stand? You would think that the question's rhetorical, that the answer is assumed. Nobody! The great day of God's wrath has come and no one is able to stand. Then we get to Revelation 7. While 6 and 7 are very different, they have in common two words. The first word is sealed. The second word is stand. 
When you look at the first eight verses of Revelation chapter 7, you will see the word seal repeated. God's people are sealed. And then when you get to Revelation 7 and verse 9, a group of people are depicted as standing. When this old world knocks you down, look up to heaven and to God and the Lamb. When kingdoms clash, what should you do? The initial readers of the book of Revelation were people who were living in a world where kingdoms were clashing with one another. Perhaps we're living in a similar world. What do we do? I believe it's awfully good counsel to do what the book of Revelation says and to look to God and to the Lamb. Let me give you a simple three-point outline of the book, or rather of Revelation chapter 7. A simple three-point outline, and then we're going to look at the 17 verses that make up the chapter. God and the Lamb are the refuge of the hurting. Revelation 7, 1 through 8. God and the Lamb are the refuge of the hurting. Our God is a refuge and a strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Psalm 46 and verse 1. That's exactly what Revelation 7, 1 through 8 is saying. And the word to remember is this. Sealed. Sealed. Problems will come into this old world. But the Lord knows His people and loves His people and will see His people through. That's Revelation 7, 1 through 8. Now Revelation 7, verses 9 through 14, the second part of how this chapter unfolds. God and the Lamb are the joy of the faithful. God and the Lamb are the joy of the faithful. If in the first eight verses there is the comfort from knowing that God's people are sealed and we'll make it through, all of these things will come to pass and we can be forever with God. Revelation 7, 9 through 14 stresses that God is the joy of the faithful. And the word exuberance really comes to my mind because when you look at Revelation 7, 9 through 14, as we'll do shortly, exuberance, enthusiasm, the joy, the bliss of being able to stand in the presence of God. The exuberance of being saved. That's what these verses describe. So if verses 1 through 8 are about being sealed, when things get tough here on earth, then verses 9 through 14 are about standing and being saved. Now, if you would, look at verses 15 through 17. The third part of this particular chapter. 
the goal of the redeemed. The goal of the redeemed. God and the Lamb are the refuge of the hurting. God and the Lamb are the joy of the faithful. God and the Lamb are the goal of the redeemed. Frequently over the years, I've said when you study the Bible, the first thing to look at is what the passage says about God and how God relates to us. That's exactly what we'll do as we let this chapter speak today. By the way, verses 15 through 17, God and the Lamb are the goal of the redeemed. Being with Him is all we ever wanted and more. And the word to remember is satisfied. So for you illiterates out there, people that like words that begin with the same one, the sealed, the standing, and the saved, the satisfied. That's what Revelation 7 is about. Now let's look at the chapter more closely. God and the Lamb are the refuge of those who are hurting. Really what this chapter is, is a pause or an interlude. Because if you look, there are seven seals that are supposed to be broken, opened in chapter 6, but only six are. And there's a pause and an interlude because there's such devastation coming on the world, such a, a judgment from God, if you will. There's a pause. What about God's people? What about God's people when the world seems to be knocking people flat on their backs? Four angels are told to withhold the winds, the contrary winds of judgment for a while. And a fifth angel is spoken of in verses 1 through 3. He comes from the east with a message from God himself and what he is to do is to make sure that God's people are sealed and that the servants of God are sealed in their foreheads. Verses 3 and 4. Back in ancient times, a king might have a signet ring which would have his royal stamp. And what a seal would do, ladies and gentlemen, what a seal would do, friends, is this. It would denote that the one bearing the message had a genuine, authentic message from the king. It would show that God cares, God protects, God loves his people. He knows what we're going through when this old world knocks us flat on our backs. God knows. But he seals his people. And notice that the seal is placed in the forehead. If you're like me, you got quite a bit of that, you know. 
In Revelation 13, verse 16, people might take the mark of the beast in their foreheads. They might get into anti-God government and anti-God religion. And it's how they view everything. It's their perception. Well, the seal that we belong to God is in our forehead and our perception is what really matters when we are sealed. We understand that this world will sometimes knock us flat on our backside. But when that happens, we will look up to God and the Lamb even more. The Lord knows those that are His, 2 Timothy 2.19. And you and I look beyond the things of this life. If we suffer with Him, we will reign or be glorified with Him. Romans 8, 17 and 18. When you look at verses 4 through 8, still talking about these people that are sealed, they are described as 144,000. How we need to be careful not to literalize things that are obviously symbolic, that are obviously figurative. There are 18 or so different listings of the sons of Jacob in the Old Testament. About 18. And the list of Revelation 7, 4 through 8, corresponds to none of them. To none of them. It is obviously a doctored list. And by that, I saw the look of puzzlement on your face, Bill. By that, I mean he's trying to convey a message that's powerful figuratively by referring to God's people, the sealed, as Israel, the people of God. If you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed? Galatians 3.29. The church constitutes the Israel of God. Galatians 6.16. Romans 2.28 and 29. And other passages. Now here's what I'm getting at. No Old Testament listing even comes close to matching what John is writing about here in verses 4 through 8. It's obviously figurative. 144,000, 12 times 12 times 1,000, completeness. It symbolizes completeness. We can't take the number 144,000 literally because if we do, that means you can't say 12,001 out of any tribe of Israel are saved or 11,999. It's got to be literal and specific. And ladies, I hate to tell you, but when you turn to Revelation chapter 14, these people are men, not women. Sorry, you must not make it to heaven. That's what happens when you literalize the figurative. And fellas, they're also described as virgins. Those of us who are married, I guess, are not included. Therefore, think about it this way. He is speaking of the saved on earth who are going through times of difficulty and heartache. That's how the 144,000 should really be viewed. Got it? 
And you might think of it this way. The people of God on earth. They may seem small in number compared to other people. But what distinguishes them is that they're God's people and they have been sealed. God says, I own them. They're my people. I'll take care of them. I love them. I'll protect them. Now look at verses 9 and following. 9 through 14. Because now we're transported from earth to glory. And we go from the 144,000, and by the way, this is a number that John heard, Revelation 7 verse 4, because you've got the poetry of Scripture rhyming concepts. God heard the number of the sealed, and they were 144,000. And in Revelation 7 verse 9, he sees a great multitude in glory which no man can count. Do you see it? God is not only the refuge of the hurting. God and the Lamb are the joy of the faithful. Just like we sing, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. You've got the number of the people depicted, first of all, in verse 9. A great multitude which no man can count. What you have next is something of their origin. People of all the nations. All the tribes, all the peoples, all the languages. Third, in verse 9, you have something in Revelation 7 being said about their appearance. They are clothed in white. And they are carrying palm branches. Remember when Jesus made the triumphant entry? In John 12 and verse 13, people had palm branches and they said, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. In the Feast of Tabernacles, talking about victory and God's blessing people often would use, would wave palm branches. Symbolic of blessing and freedom. That's just verse 9. Now look at verse 10. Speaking of the exuberance that they have to be able to stand in the presence of God, verse 15, in glory... The people say with a loud voice. They burst into praise. This innumerable multitude. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Mark that word salvation. Because there could be no salvation without the cross. So there is no deliverance or rescue from sin. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost, Luke 19.10. There's no being saved, delivered or rescued from sin apart from the Lamb and God. But even more... One 
thinks of John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But think of this too, victory. Victory. In Revelation 6 and verse 10, people had prayed, How long, O God? Well, in Revelation 7, 9 through 14, the innumerable multitudes depicted... And they are in the presence of God. And they are praising God and saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. When kingdoms clash, remember God and the Lamb. Now look at verses 11 and 12. The worship of the innumerable host, the the, the number that no man could count, brings about a heavenly response. Heaven itself burst into praise. The angels, the four living creatures, the elders, everyone is praising God. And it's my favorite kind of sandwich. I call it an amen sandwich. Because you look at the beginning of verses 11 and 12, it says... Amen, and at the end of their praise, they say amen again. You know what? They're amening what the redeemed, the saved, are saying in glory. Salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. Angels cannot be saved in the way that we can. But that doesn't mean that they don't have a great interest in what God has done to make our salvation possible. And they burst into praise too. God and the Lamb are the joy of the faithful. And heaven is resounding with God's praise. And there's a sevenfold blessing given. And right in the middle of those verses, 11 and 12, is the word thanksgiving. How thankful we should be that salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then an elder asked John a question. A heavenly being, an elder, asked John a question. He says, Steve, who are these people? And where'd they come from? Who are this innumerable host that no man can count, that praises God and says salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And where did they come from? And John some humbly says, Sir, you know. You know the answer. Will you tell me? These are they who have come out of great tribulation. I want you to know that the same people are being described in verses 9 through 14 that were spoken of in verses 1 through 8. Two people, uh, the same people are being looked at from two vantage points. The 144,000 are those who belong to God and are sealed and know that He is our refuge when we hurt here on earth. But now the great multitude that nobody can count that's in heavenly glory praising God, they're the same people 
The people of God triumphant. The people of God on earth, verses 1 through 8, hurting but sealed. The people of God standing and saved in glory in the presence of God. These are they that have come out of great tribulation. In this world you will have great tribulation. John 16, I'd say 2020 has been proof positive of that. Acts 14, with but much tribulation, we shall enter the kingdom of God. And when tribulation comes, the response of God's people is not to lose hope, not to give up, not to lose faith, not to compromise what's eternal and what really matters, but the response of God's people is to look to God and the Lamb. How well have you done looking to God and the Lamb in 2020? I'd say many of us have looked a lot at the news and television and a virus. But we've not looked enough to the Lamb and to God. These are they that have come out of great tribulation. Now notice the next statement. Who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Don't tell me that baptism doesn't have a place in God's scheme of things, in God's plan of things. It's at the point of baptism, sins are washed away. Acts 22 and verse 16, that we receive forgiveness of sins, Acts 2.38. Think about this, get the picture. And have washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. What a Savior the Lamb is. What a chemist Jesus Christ is. What an artist our precious Lord is. Because He uses the brightest red to make one the purest white when we, Brother Clay, were the darkest of black due to the stain of sin. What a chemist, what an artist, what a savior. They washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. Now 15 through 17. This passage has to do with the fact that God and the Lamb are the goal of the redeemed. Being with Him is what we really want. Heaven will be beautiful, street of gold, pearly gates, etc. But it's not just what heaven looks like that makes heaven precious. It's who's in heaven that makes heaven precious. And often we take the beauty of heaven and get so caught up in it, we seem to forget about really what we're longing for is to be in the presence of God forever and ever. Now look at 15 through 17. How are God's people described? They are described as being around the throne. Before the throne of God and the Lamb. See that? They are described as serving God forever and ever. Unceasingly. In His presence always. Serving Him without pause. 
without any delay for all time. Now, I suspect there may be one or two here today that may not just give, that may not wet your whistle. We're going to always be around the throne of God, and what we're going to be doing is serving Him. But for those that really love God, that's what we've been waiting for. Around the throne in the presence of God and the Lamb, serving Him unceasingly, without end, and without flaw, and with perfect trust. Now notice what the passage says about God. Notice verses 15 through 17 and what it says about God. Four truths about God and the Lamb from verses 15 through 17. Number one. God will shelter His people. God will shelter His people. They'll be in His presence. God will provide for His people. And God will protect His people forever. You know, shelter here on earth can be so wonderful, but I tell you, a tornado has taken a lot of shelters out of, out, out of, its, out of their operation, haven't they? A fire has taken a lot of homes, but God will shelter His people in that eternal place called glory. Number two. It is said that suffering and pain will be no more. Notice how the Word of God tells us this truth. There will be no hunger, no thirst. The internal desires that may have gone unmet for some of those who were really hurting and under persecution here on earth... There will be no hungering or thirsting. Then it says that the scorching heat and the pain of the sun's rays no more. Internally and externally circumstances that may cause us grief and pain will be no more. No more. Third, it says that the Lamb will shepherd them. What an interesting mixing of symbols. The Lamb will shepherd. The most common term for Jesus in the book of Revelation is Lamb. But He is also a lion. The lamb is gentle and caring with his sheep, but he is a lion when one preys on his people. He will guide them, the text says, to streams of living water. See Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. 
the shepherd will guide his people to this water. And then notice this. God will wipe away every tear. That statement right there ought to be underlined in a Bible. God will wipe away every tear. Miss Mickey, have you shed a tear in 2020? I suspect nearly all of us have shed tears at some point. God and the Lamb are the goal of the redeemed. God and the Lamb are the joy of the faithful. God and the Lamb are the refuge of the hurting. All praise, all praise, all glory belongs to our God and the Lamb. If you have listened and followed, you will not only get through 2020, but you can get through the rest of your life. And if you haven't listened, I hope that you'll go back and listen to this with a Bible in your hands. Let us stand and sing.